Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians, on this warm and sunny Sunday in June. We meet here each Sunday through the year. This service is a key part of this religious community's life, and we share lots of other activities too. But this is an opportunity for us to share our faith journey with others. It's a chance to reconnect with ourselves and with that which we hold to be divine. It's mostly a chance to connect once again with one another. And all are welcome here. All are valued and appreciated for the unique presence that each of us brings. Whoever you are, whatever you are, however you're feeling this day, there's a space for you here. Today's theme is joy. And though our worship theme is cheery, my hope is that each of us will find something within the next hour that touches a need in us, be it for laughter or serious thought, for stimulation or soothing, for comfort or challenge, may we all find something that we are seeking. And if you come here with a heavy heart this day, please know us to be a community that can bear some of that weight with you. And um, as I light this chalice, this symbol of our worldwide Unitarian communities, let's appreciate what it represents. The freedom of our liberal faith to explore many paths and to welcome such a variety of beliefs within this one community. There were um, three children talking recently about their family's religions. And as children sometimes do, they were comparing things. And Patrick said, I'm a Catholic and my religion has a great big symbol, a cross. And Rachel said, I'm, I'm Jewish and my religion has a better symbol than yours. We've got a six-pointed star. And then Robin piped up and said, I'm a Unitarian and I've got the best symbol of all. It's a candle in a bird bath. <laughs> And we have a, a, a small story that leads into a time of prayer and reflection. And this is one I've told here often enough before. And I wonder if one of the reasons I repeat it is because there is a, a bit of a work ethic in me, apart from the fact that I keep going on holiday, as Peter, our pianist, mentions from time to time. But this story, this story is the... Is, the story of the rich industrialist who, walking on a beach one day, was horrified to find a fisherman just lying lazily <coughs> beside his boat, smoking his pipe. And it was only mid-morning. So he asked, well, why aren't you out fishing? Uh, well, because I've caught enough fish for the day, came the reply. Well, why don't you catch some more? Well, what would I do with it? Well, you could sell them, get some money. And with that, then you could have a motor fixed to your boat to go into deeper waters and catch more fish. Then you would have enough money to buy nylon nets and those would bring more fish, more money. Then you could buy two boats and have a fleet before you knew it. And then you would be a rich man like me. Well, what would I do then? Well, then you could really enjoy life. 
Hmm, and what do you think I'm doing right now? Said the fisherman. Let's take that into a time of prayer and reflection now. As I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to settle in our hearts and in our minds. May we find ways to greet this day with joy, whatever concerns we carry with us. Let's recognise this as a new day, a day blessed by life itself and by the energy of creation. Let's help one another to look not to the past nor to the future, but to enjoy this day as best we can to the full and to flow with what it holds. May we, may we come to know better the driven parts of ourselves, those parts that think we should try harder or work harder or achieve more. May we lovingly allow ourselves time to rest in life and find ways towards contentment and peace. And in the peace of this present moment, let us send our thoughts and prayers to those people around our world who are suffering in any way, perhaps people we know well, or those who are known to us only through the news. May all lives today be touched by some spark, be that hope, be that love. And may those who are blessed with good fortune find ever more creative ways to share that good fortune with others. Let us be people who can allow ourselves to be foolish. May we allow ourselves space to make mistakes. And may we be forgiving of the follies of others so that together we might create a kinder world for all. And may that be so. Amen. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked and the self-same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? When you're joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. 
When you're sorrowful, look again in your heart, and you shall see that in truth you are weeping for that which has been your delight. Some of you say, joy is greater than sorrow. And others say, nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, they are inseparable. <coughs> Together they come, and when one sits alone with you at the board, remember that the other one is asleep upon your bed. <coughs> Verily, you are suspended like scales between your sorrow and your joy. <coughs> Only when you are empty are you at standstill and balanced. When the treasure keeper lifts you to weigh his gold and silver, needs must your joy or your sorrow rise or fall. I can't decide which is more difficult, writing a Sunday morning sermon or listening to one. I think overall it's probably more difficult to be the listener, having to take in someone else's ideas, try and make some of them at least work for you. So I'm going to distill this morning's ideas down into just three. It's okay to be joyful. Joy and sorrow generally work as a pair in the you can't have one without the other kind of way. And there are interesting differences between joy and happiness that may be worth exploring. And if you find yourself drifting off, can I suggest that you turn to the photo on the front page of today's order of service. Um, and for people listening on a podcast, um, what we have in front of us is a, a delightful photograph of a um, child in the Mongolian desert with a camel and both of them are laughing uproariously and what I suggest you do is turn it into a caption competition. What is making both this little girl and this camel laugh so sweetly together? When it comes to reclaiming joy, it's worth doing a bit of self-examination because our capacity for joy is shaped to some extent at least, by our upbringing and by our personality, our essential nature, if you like. We cannot completely change who we are, but we can, I think, understand ourselves better, and I think we can train ourselves to allow more joy into our lives. Earlier on we heard the story of the rich industrialist driven to work hard, achieve, make lots of money, giving advice on how to live better to a simple fisherman. Yet the fisherman was perfectly contented with his life. He needed nothing more. And in that story, we can perhaps find some of the differences between joy and happiness. In that happiness may well stem from sources outside ourselves. More money, more food, more friends, more, 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 bigger house, etc., etc. Whereas joy seems to be a kind of bubbling from a source within us because we can enjoy, experience joy in life's difficult times. In a state of joy, we know, don't we, that essential truth that we heard so beautifully put by uh, Khalil Gibran, the Lebanese mystic poet, in his famous work, The Prophet. 
the truth that our joy and our sorrow are one. And the deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. A feminist artist, Barbara Kruger, created a powerful piece of work in the 1980s, which proclaimed, I shop, therefore I am. A, a rewriting of philosopher René Descartes, I think, therefore I am. Kruger's message has been oft repeated as an anti-capitalist slogan in the decades since that poster first appeared. And such messages are a necessary antidote, I think, to an economic system that has to encourage us all to spend, spend, spend. The inquiring of things, there's nothing wrong with it. And it may bring some temporary pleasure for sure. But that material world of getting and spending, I don't think is ever going to be a deep source of joy. And it's deep sources of joy that the world needs us to tap into. Because there's plenty amiss with our ways of living and because we know so much of the suffering of others and because life itself is a tough road for so many people even those of us who live lives of considerable privilege can't we just feel so much pain so let's consider the reclaiming of joy as a spiritual discipline on today's hymn sheet there's some thoughts of Richard Rohr's um, he's a Franciscan priest I like his writing greatly and here he's written of the qualities of a joyful mind. Um, how are we doing for time? We could read a few of these. What I was suggesting was that possibly there'll be one or two of these that ring a bell with you because we all have habitual ways of thinking. Some can be remarkably negative and some positive. I wonder if any of you notice any of these in your thinking. So he says that a quality of a joyful mind might be when your mind does not need to be right. I might have a little bit of that one occasionally. Or when you no longer need to compare yourself with others. Or when you can live in contentment with whatever the moment offers. Or when your mind does not need to be in charge. No, I've never experienced that one. Never. When your mind is curious and interested, not suspicious and interrogating. When your mind does not brood over injuries. When you do not need to humiliate, critique or defeat those who have hurt you, not even in your mind. And so on. Take, take that away with you and see if any of those ring a bell and maybe find one that you want to focus on um, for the week ahead. Uh, Raw recommends that along with heightening our awareness of our own thought processes, we also explore our own particular sources of joy. Music is something that I know lifts lots of our spirits, but surprise, surprise, we all have different tastes. I've just been away for a few days with my 12-year-old grandson, Zach, who has strong opinions now on music. And on uh, the quite long car journey, we had to agree to alternate between Radio 1 and Radio 3 in 15-minute bursts <laughs> in order to satisfy us both, at least some of the time. So I wonder what your favourite sources of joy are. People have told me of their pleasure in gardening, or reading a really good book, or cuddling up with pets, or children or loved ones, watching great films dancing, being out in nature, playing the piano, 
savouring the moment, whatever that moment is. Others have told me of favourite TV comedy shows or jokes they like to tell. And one of my favourite stories concerns an interfaith trip to India when a Hindu yogi, a Jewish rabbi and a Unitarian minister were travelling together and they came to an inn to spend the night but were informed that there was only space for two in the one remaining room so one of them was going to have to sleep in the barn. So the Hindu graciously volunteers to sleep in the barn. And as the rabbi and the Unitarian minister just snuggle up, prepared to bed down for the night, in their room, they heard a knock on the door. It was the Hindu yogi. I'm really sorry. I can't sleep in the barn. There's a cow out there, and it's against my religion to sleep with a sacred cow. So then the rabbi steps forward and volunteers to take his place. And a few minutes later, there's a knock at the door. It's the rabbi. I'm sorry, really sorry. I can't sleep in the barn either. There's a pig out there and it's against my religion to sleep with an unclean animal. So finally the Unitarian minister volunteers to sleep in the barn. We Unitarians are lucky. We don't have any such religious rules one way or the other, he declared somewhat pompously. You may have guessed what's coming next. A few minutes later, the third knock at the door. The yogi and the rabbi opened the door, and this time it was the cow and the pig. <laughs> we need, we need to laugh in the face of life's absurdities, challenges and confusions. Let's never forget our ability to laugh both at and with ourselves, both at and with one another, and both at and with life itself. For life contains all, and we have to deal with what life throws our way. As we reclaim our joy, in truth, we reclaim our sorrow. We find our ability to be moved by life in all its phases. Our joy is then indeed our sorrows unmasked. Amen. And so, in the week that lies ahead, let us be people who know that life contains all, all sweetness and all bitterness, all sorrow and all joy, all lows and all highs, all rain clouds and all sunshine. Then how shall we live? Holding all that is with acceptance and good grace. For this is how it is to be alive, part of the cosmic joke of existence, blessed with both our laughter and our tears. Amen. Go well and blessed be.